Since 2010, Fellowship has been sending a team to the Rosebud Lakota Sioux Reservation in South Dakota, focusing on the objective of breaking barriers and building bridges, promoting healing between Native and non-Native people, and attempting to provide authentic friendships that are respectful of our cultural differences. Through partnering with local ministries and outreaches, we demonstrate our faith in a way that is culturally appropriate while serving, supporting, and strengthening the tribe with programs that assist their current needs. One of those partnerships is with the Sechangu Lakota Youth Center. One of the outreaches of the Youth Center is music education. Students who learn to play a musical instrument are more likely to complete high school and less likely to commit suicide, leading us to launch an arts camp focused on teaching students how to play guitar, violin, cello, and bass, along with participation in drama and visual arts projects. This will be my third trip to the Rosebud Reservation. We were simply there to be the light of Christ for them while teaching their kids how to play instruments and how to express themselves through the love of music. Some of the most incredible life-changing moments happen when those students start to open up. I specifically run the room that teaches violin. We teach them the basic concepts of the instrument, and by the time the week's over, we put on a little concert. They get to play for their families, and it's emotional, it's joyous, and it's just an incredible experience to witness. The team will be returning to Rosebud Reservation June 18th through 25th to help with the arts camp and do service projects with another ministry partner, the Tree of Life Ministry Center. To prepare for the trip, the team is seeking instrument donations of any kind, especially guitars and other stringed instruments, from violins to ukuleles. We're also very interested in taking band instruments for the high school, along with keyboards, new and used. So no matter the condition, we'll take your old instruments stuck under the bed, in the attic, or in the closet behind all your clothes. We want them. Instruments can be left at the Celebrate Recovery office on the Rogers campus, or in the sound booths in the back of the worship centers in Bentonville, Rogers, or Fayetteville. And if you need more information, contact David Atterbury. I wasn't expecting such a huge cultural difference because we weren't leaving the borders of the United States. Every time I've gone, there, there's been a little more that they've given me and a, and a little more that they've shared with me. And so it's something I wanna keep going back for because I can't get enough of their stories. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, oh, thank you. Couple of head nods. Isn't that exciting? That's pretty cool. Good morning, fellowship. It is so good to see so many smiling faces and the rest of you, I think you'll catch up. It's gonna be good, you know? Well, you know, we are excited as a spiritual family to experience all that Jesus has for us today and all that we have in Him. And we're excited to welcome those that may be here just wanting to learn more about what a relationship with Jesus looks like or to learn more about who He is. And so, But regardless of why you are here, we all this morning have the opportunity to grow in our knowledge of God. Just as Paul encouraged, the Apostle Paul, encouraged the believers in the early church of Ephesus, uh, those that he addressed as God's holy people. Listen to his encouragement uh, from chapter one of Ephesians. 
He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And he also prayed that we would understand God's power. It continues on in verse 19. The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of us. That's worth celebrating, don't you think? That's worth celebrating, don't you think? Well, let's stand and do just that.
Thank you, you may have a seat. I couldn't figure out if we were at the Garth Brooks concert or not, Kyle. Hey, don't throw your stick, it'll hit the glass. Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. You're at the founding campus of Fellowship, and we are so glad that you are here this morning. One of our goals here is to make a big church small. So everything you're going to hear today, you can find more information about it at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash news. We want you to plug in here. Let me give you some things that are headed your way. First, the Lakota mission team is headed out in June. They are asking for musical instrument donations. You heard on the video, you can drop those off in the sound booth or at the CR office, which is located on the front of our campus. If you're new to fellowship and and you don't know anybody here, maybe you've just moved here or you're coming back to church for the first time in a couple of years because of COVID, we would love to get to know you and find out more about you. If you would just come out to the central booth, you'll find a smiling face, and we can grab your email, grab your phone number, and we'll follow up with you and hear more about you and tell you more about fellowship and how you can plug in. So visit us out there. If you're too shy for that, then you can just go to fellowshiprogers.org forward slash news, and there's a form there that says, I'm new Fill it out. We will follow up with you. We want to make this a place where you don't just come to worship, but you experience life and community. We're a church that has small groups and lots of things going on. Hey, men, we have a retreat for you coming up May uh, 13th and 14th over at New Life Ranch. So it's a one-nighter. We would love for you to join us and enjoy all that we'll have there. You can sign up for that online, whether you're from Springdale or Rogers, we'll have some guys there for you. And ladies, on May 10th, in this room, we will have a night of worship. And so it'll be a great evening to come and praise the Lord together and get to know one another. If you are a young professional and you've moved to Northwest Arkansas for your work or for your education and you look around and you don't have any friends, we're here for you. It's a very common story. Northwest Arkansas is filling up with people just like you. And so we'd like to buy you lunch. And so next week, after our 1030 service, right across the hall in the family center, we're going to have some Wright's barbecue for you. Now, I know at this point, everybody in here thinks they're a young professional (laughs) because of Jordan Wright's brisket, but it's not for you. It's for the Yo Pros. Come join us for lunch. We'd love to meet you and welcome you to Northwest Arkansas and tell you more about fellowship. And also, there's a night of worship for you on May 15th in this room where there'll be other young professionals and you can worship together. Hey, we're going to have a great morning together. Let me pray for us. Well, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have just to bask in your grace. So I pray as we sing as we give as we hear from your word that your spirit would freely work in us and that we wouldn't be the same people who leave that that showed up that you would change us that you would do a work in us so lord we ask that you would make yourself known in our hearts it's in jesus name we pray As we continue in worship, who do you say Jesus is? Just right where you are, if you were to describe Jesus in one word, what would you say? Just shout it out right where you are. 
I heard love and a whole bunch of enthusiastic starts. That was awesome. Who would you say that he is? Savior. Shout it out. Don't be shy. Encourage the body. Say it again. He's God, indeed. Redeemer. Who do you say Jesus is? Messiah. You know, Josh McDowell notably said, he said, I'm not a Christian because God changed my life. I'm a Christian because of my convictions about who Jesus is. Translation, it's not about the condition of your life. It's about faith in who Jesus is. Billy Graham, he said something beautiful and, and compelling. He said, when granted many years of life, growing old in age is natural. But growing old and with grace is a choice. Growing older with grace is possible for all who set their hearts and minds on the giver of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Translation, it's possible for those who seek to know him. And uh, I don't know much about Mr. T's walk with the Lord. I just know that as Clever Lang, he whooped the tar out of Rocky Balboa and Rocky 3000. But I tell you this, he did, he got this right. He says, as a Christian, you forgive and you feed the hungry and clothe the naked and you visit the sick and comfort the lonely. If I am a true follower of my Lord and Savior Christ, Jesus Christ, I got to do the things you're supposed to be doing. Translation, the way that we know the things that we are supposed to be doing is if we grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's what this morning is about growing in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're gonna hear what he has to say about that, what he says about himself. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So as we continue to worship, may we grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is. May we grow in our passion for him. And may our celebration in song shout our desire to be more like him. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's do just that. Would you stand with me and sing this? Declare his goodness. You are good, you are good when there's nothing good in
In the silence of 
Lord Jesus, we celebrate you in your name. You are the name above every other name and all creation will indeed bow before you. And every tongue will confess that you are the Lord above all lords. And so in this time, as we seek you and hear from your word, would you speak to us? Would you transform our lives to be more like you? And God, may we glorify you in what we live and believe and do and say. It's all for your glory, and we know that it will be for our good. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Well, a number of years ago, our family was vacationing in California, and we had the opportunity to spend a day at Disneyland. And to understand our family, you have to understand that that we are not park people, okay? We don't do well at amusement parks, at least the parents don't. Um, It's always too hot or too cold. You know, it's it's, it's sunny and hot or raining and cold. I I Basically, a a, a day at, at Disney goes like this for me. Uh, I ride three rides, and then I'm sick the rest of the day. And then when I remember it's lunchtime, the lunch line's like an hour long. You know what I'm talking about? So anyway, we're at the park. We've just arrived. We're kind of, kind of mapping out the day, and this Disney employee comes to us and says, um, is asking some questions. We're asking some questions, and, and they said, how would you like to be the family of the day? And I'm thinking, this is, this is either an incredibly exclusive opportunity or this is a timeshare tour, one of the two things. And so, anyway, we, so they, they start telling us about it. We decide, okay, we'll, we'll do this. And so, basically, they say, okay, meet back here at four. Go, go have your day. Meet back here at four. And the whole day, we're kind of riding rides. I'm trying not to get sick. And, and, and we're kind of, well, should we go back or not? It's probably not that big a deal. But anyway, we decided we showed up. And we went back at four, met the lady. She took us to the, the kind of the backstage of Disney. It was incredible. And anyway, we're hanging out, like for 30 minutes, our kids are hanging out with all the characters. Um, all of a sudden, we, we realize that we're going to be the grand marshals in the Disney parade. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> the Barclay family, honorary grand marshals, they gave us a big sign. And, uh, and so, it's pretty incredible that, that we got to ride in the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car. And then at the end of the parade... What they did is they literally took us and they said, they had a Disney employee go with us. They said, you can ride any ride you want to. We'll walk you to the front of the line every single time. Isn't that incredible? So you, you're, you're either sitting here right now thinking, that's really good for them, or you're jealous, right? Because that was an incredibly exclusive opportunity. Our culture is obsessed with exclusive stuff, aren't we? There's, a, there's exclusive parties. There's exclusive clubs. I read an article this week. It listed the top 10 exclusive clubs in the United States. One of them's in New York. It has a $50,000 initiation fee. So I went to the website, of course. And all, all, all that's on the website is this, view of, this video of New York City and then a the sign-up form. It doesn't tell you anything about it. It's exclusive. If you want to join, just see me. I'd be happy to help you. Actually, I would take your $50,000 and pop you in the side of the head, but, but there's exclusive clubs, there's exclusive resorts, there's exclusive lists. Are you an A-list or are you part of the Time 100 or whatever it is? That we're obsessed with exclusive things. And in our text today, in John chapter 14, and go ahead and turn there in your journal or your Bible if you want to, Jesus makes his sixth, and I believe his most powerful 
his most exclusive and quite possibly his most controversial I am statement to this point. The five previous claims have grown in intensity, have ramped up in intensity all towards this one. And in verse 6 of John chapter 14, in response to a question by Thomas, Jesus says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's an incredibly strong statement. In previous places throughout the gospel, when he said something similar, people would find themselves who opposed Jesus with a stone in their hand. Can you imagine what it would take for you to find yourself with a stone in your hand about ready to take somebody's life? Our text today is part of a larger section of scripture called the Upper Room Discourse. And so there are, or a sermon, there are a number of sermons or discourses in, in the Gospels. Um, there are actually at least four. Um, the first one's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The second one is the Kingdom Parables. You may be familiar. It's where Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells us. It's in Matthew 13. Another one's the Olivet Discourse, when Jesus is in the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem. It's about the last days. And then there's this last one called the Upper Room Discourse. And that's where our, our passage is today. It's, it's John chapters 13 through 16, in early into 17. And what you need to know about this one is this is not a public meeting. This is a private meeting with Jesus 12. It's in the upper room. It's his longest discourse, his most intimate one. And, and to get some a setting or some foundation, we need to turn back just a little bit to John chapter 13, and we see that the disciples are gathered in the upper room. And, and Jesus has alerted the disciples that someone at the meal is going to betray him, and he identifies Judas, and he says, what you're about to do, do quickly. He sends Judas on his way, and this triggers a series of questions or interactions that reveal the, the disciples' lack of understanding of who Jesus is and an insecurity about the future. Jesus talks of his glory. He, he tells the disciples that their defining, uh, this defining uh, description of them is going to be about love. And then he says this. He says, where I'm going, you can't come. And it totally throws them off. They, they can't think of anything, and what it does, it, it actually triggers a series of, of three interruptions. What we're going to see is we're going to see um, Peter, the first one, and then the part of our passage today, we're going to see Thomas and Philip, and they keep bringing these questions, these, these interruptions to Jesus. The, the first one's from Peter, and what he says at the end of chapter 13, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, hey, where I'm going right now, you can't follow. And Jesus says, no, 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 Lord, I need to follow you. I will lay down my life for you. And you may remember that Jesus responds with those words of, oh, you're going to lay down your life. When push comes to shove, Peter, you're, you're not even going to, you're going to deny even knowing me. And Jesus, knowing that the disciples are, are worried, he responds with these words at the beginning of chapter 14. He says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then look at verse 4. You know the way 
to where I'm to the place to where I'm going. The disciples were understandably troubled. Jesus gives a command to stop being troubled, which means he's what he is saying, and it's a passive tense. He's saying basically you're already worrying, stop worrying. One uh, scholar says it this way, you should stop worrying because Jesus is going to tell you because of who you know, because of where you will go, and because of what he, Jesus, will show. You see, for the disciples, the place is of concern. The, the path is of concern. The proximity to the person of Jesus is of concern. And what Jesus is about to tell them is that the answer for trouble is trust. The answer for fear is faith. The answer for concern is confidence, and confidence comes through belief in Jesus. And he said just a minute ago, and I think it's very interesting, and people always talk about this, he talked about the many rooms. Hey, I'm going to prepare this place for you, and then I will come back. And what he's talking about there, he's actually using an illustration from their context, their culture. Because when a, when a young man would, would find a wife to be married, what he would do is he would, he would go back to his home, and he would prepare a place for his coming bride. And in the story, you know who the bride is? We are. And, and so what, what the son does, he goes and he, he goes and he finds his bride, he comes back and he's, he builds a room onto his parents' house. Doesn't sound very exciting these days, does it? But he builds a room onto his parents' tent or his parents' house, and then when he, he has the place prepared, he goes back and he gets his bride and he brings her to his newly prepared place. And that's what Jesus is talking about. I'm gonna go prepare a place for you because there are many rooms in my father's house. And here's what we're gonna see from the rest of our passage today, that there is a precise path to Jesus. And he is the preeminent person, and there is a mountain of proof. If that's not enough for you, there is a mountain of proof, and it's very close. We see it through his words and his works. Let's look at interruption number two in our passage, John chapter 14, beginning in verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answers with those famous words, I am the way and the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas is asking a location and direction question. He says, I need to know where and how. Hey, Jesus, we don't have smartphones. Have you noticed how your kids can't get anywhere these days? It, it, what happens if the phones go down? No one knows how to get anywhere. It's the same for them. They're, they're saying, okay, Jesus, we don't know where you're going, so we don't know the, the location, we don't know the direction, and Jesus answers the, the where and the how question with a who. He says, it's me. You guys have been with me, it's me. His question is at the heart, not only the disciples, but all of us, and deep inside all of us, there's this longing for God. And, and at our, our best points, we, we're, we're tracking with the Lord. But at our worst places, we try to fill that with possession and passions and position and power and even another person. And Jesus says, I am the person. This comment about being the way, the truth, and the life, it's not a linear thing. Uh, scholars, one scholar said it, it's like, it's like an elliptical illustration. Jesus is saying, I am the way because I am the truth and because I am the life. He said, I'm the way because of the truth, because of the life. Greg Matt said it this way, I am the way to the Father because I am the true manifestation or revelation of the Father. 
I'm the way to the Father because I alone have the power of eternal life. You know, it's interesting. Followers of Christ during Jesus' day were not called Christians. Actually, they weren't called Christians until much after the church started, actually in Antioch, and it was actually a derogatory term at first. During Jesus' day, they were actually called the people of the way because Jesus is the way. You know, this thought of Jesus being the way goes, continues on. In Acts chapter 4, it says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And then on later in 1 Timothy chapter 2, For there is, no, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus. So on this precise path, Jesus also claims to be the truth and the life. So what does he mean by claiming to be the truth and the life? Jesus is truth personified. He is the standard for truth. He is absolute truth. In John chapter 1, John says this, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He's the word made flesh, the truth made flesh. And he's also the life. He's the path to eternal life. He's also life on this earth. Remember some other I am statements where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life? Or back in John chapter six when Jesus said, I am the bread of life? Think about that. He's the sustenance. And then he goes on even further. Look at that last statement in verse six. He gets even more narrow. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That is an incredibly exclusive statement. In our hearts, we long to be a part of something exclusive, don't we? Our culture, we, they, we love exclusive things except when it comes to spiritual or morality and you claim to have the right answer, right? Then you get in trouble or you're called what? Intolerant. What's interesting, I, this week, just, just by way of research, I've got a, a 35-year-old dictionary. My mom brought it to me. She had it. And so I looked up the word tolerance. And then I compared it Merriam-Webster. And then I went to the Merriam-Webster's website and looked up the word tolerance today. And they're similar definitions, but they're a little bit different. And Alistair Begg, he actually captures this really interesting. He says this, The new tolerance cultivates a mind so broad that it can tolerate every opinion without detecting anything in it to reject. He says that's not tolerance at all. That, it's not a virtue. That's a vice. And then he talks about true tolerance. And I've got a, a, a quote for you. He says, True tolerance he explained, involves treating with integrity and humility someone whose opinions I believe to be untrue or invalid. Well, that sure would have helped in our last presidential election, wouldn't it? It's okay to disagree. You just, you just treat others with, with integrity and humility. And then look what he says. Therefore, to be a tolerant Christian doesn't mean accepting contrary views as valid, but it's treating with grace and kindness those with whom you disagree. It's really powerful. But, but here's what you need to understand. If you're struggling with this a little bit, if, it, if it's causing you a little bit of uneasiness, listen to this. The road to Jesus is broad in invitation and narrow in destination. 
The road to Jesus, Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary. He says in John chapter 3, verse 16, what? For God so loved the world. So it's broad in invitation. It's not exclusive like other things, but it's very narrow in destination. It's exclusive in destination. Now, Now, exclusive clubs say, most of you can't come in unless you have the right thing. That's not what the gospel says at all. Jesus says, come to me. Any race, any gender, any nationality, any ethnicity, any status, any past or present struggle going on. But you must believe. For the skeptic, I want to say a couple things. One is there's some great resources out there. And I don't want to camp on the resources, but, but one we've sold in the past is the book um, by Tim Keller, Reason for God, be a great one to get. Uh, um, Case for Faith by Lee Strobel is really old, but it's good, a lot, of, a lot of statistics in it. But I want to challenge you, if you're a skeptic, step back from the statistics and find a person, and find a person to discuss with. Find a person to ask questions to, a, a believer in Christ. Find a person, in, in, a believer in Christ, and hear their story, how God has changed their life. And those of us in the room who are believers, be that available person. You don't have to have all the answers. But there is a mountain of proof out there. Uh, one statistic I found the last couple of weeks, it says this. There is a one in 100 million billion, that's 17 zeros, chance of one person fulfilling eight of the prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. One in 100 million billion chance of one person filling eight prophecies. So that the prophecies like the Savior would be born, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, would grow up in Nazareth, would, would be born of a virgin, things like that. One hundred million billion chance of fulfilling eight of them. Jesus fulfilled 300. It's okay to struggle with belief, but ask God to give you faith. We see here Thomas struggled, didn't he? He was doubting Thomas. Can you believe that that would be your name? Like you're in the scriptures and they're great. They call me Doubting Thomas. And he's not called Doubting Thomas exactly for this. Actually, if you go to chapter 20, he's the one that said when when Jesus appeared to the disciples, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it for myself and I touch his wound. That's why he's called Doubting Thomas. But Thomas turned from a question mark to an explanation point in chapter 20 when he says, my Lord and my God. And then this is not biblically proven, but many believe, some believe, that Thomas went on to carry the gospel to India and that he died for his faith there. He turned from a question mark to a martyred missionary. In addition to a precise path, we also see a preeminent person in John chapter 14, verse 7. He says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus equates seeing him and knowing him to seeing the father and knowing the father. And for you and me, okay, yeah, that's great. For, for 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 the Jew of this time, that's incredible because Father God was everything. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen him. If you know me, you know him. Most of the religions of the world claim, some cults claim, that Jesus is a good person. 
They'll even claim that he's a, a great prophet. Yeah, he's a great prophet. Some, those folks that come to your door, will even kind of spar with you, and they'll say, yeah, he's the son of God. But then they'll say, we're all children of God. But, but where the rubber meets the road is Jesus is claiming to be the way, the only way to God, and now he's claiming to be God. Do you believe that Jesus is God? That's the question you need to ask. You see, he's either a lying lunatic claiming to be God, or he really is God. There's no good person or good prophet like many religions and cults claim him to be. It's not one of one ways to God. He is the way to God. And then after Jesus makes those, that incredibly powerful statements, Philip still doesn't get it. You see our third interruption here in verse eight. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Can you believe that? If there's ever a place in, in the scriptures for Jesus to be frustrated or exasperated, this is it. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? See, see Philip's saying, show, I, I, need to see, I need to see Father God. Uh, show me Father God. And Jesus said, you've seen him in me. Your paradigm needs to shift. In addition to Jesus being the precise path, in addition to Jesus being the preeminent person, He's also, there's also a, a, a mountain of proof, a proximity of proof. Look at our last couple of verses here. He says this, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. You see, Jesus is saying there, if you don't believe my character, you've been with me, if you don't believe my character, believe my words. If you don't believe it, that's not enough for you, look at my works. He raised people from the dead. He fed thousands of people from one boy's lunch basket. He gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. He walked on water. He was transfigured before some of the disciples. He even raised people from the dead. The Bible records 40 miracles of Jesus. And Jesus says, if you don't believe my character or even my words, at least believe what you've seen, the works you've seen. I grew up in a great family, had a great church. Um, just a wonderful experience. I mean, potluck suppers. Our youth group was incredible. My, my youth leader he was incredibly just impactful in my life through those difficult teenage years. But I never got this for some reason. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention, but I never got this. I never understood the authority of Jesus and the exclusivity of Jesus. Even though the, 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 the invitation's broad, but the destination's narrow. And Jesus is saying, come to me. The thing that separates Christianity from every other religion is that we believe that Jesus is the way, the only way to the top of the mountain. And he is on top of the mountain. He is God. God loves us so much that he did for us what we had to have but couldn't do for ourselves, a perfect, righteous payment for sin. And that payment is Jesus, his miraculous birth, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his glorious resurrection.
And we are incredibly blessed for that. All that we might live. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful. This is a difficult topic. But we are so grateful that you, you, you have opened our eyes and our hearts. And I pray for those here today who maybe don't believe or are struggling to believe, I pray that you would work in their hearts. Lord, we know that you are the God of grace and you are the God of truth and you are the God of love. And Lord, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to you as well. Lord, would you show us how to trust you that is in you alone, in your son alone, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and he is also God. Solid.
interesting we've talked about how it's in Christ alone we've we've sang about it think about that but he doesn't stop there now listen to this he says this and I sorry in verse 12 very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the father You read that right. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. That if you believe in Jesus, that you will do the works that Jesus has been doing. And then he says, and will do even greater things because I am going to the Father. He's trying to reassure the disciples that just because he's leaving, things are not going to stop. And as Christ followers, we should be filled with the Spirit to do the works of God. You see, What happened when Jesus ascended to heaven? The Holy Spirit came. And it's really interesting that in Jesus' ministry, they estimate about 500 people came to know Christ. And yet at Pentecost, just after the Holy Spirit came and the birth of the church, 3,000 people came to know the Lord in just that one time. And if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. See, Jesus knew what he was talking about. He needed to go be with the Father so the Holy Spirit could come and be with the disciples and be with us today. So here's our question for reflection. How does this impact how you live your life? Are you doing the works of Jesus? How do you do the works of Jesus? And he gives us the solution. Look at verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He just says, pray. Pray to the glory of God. Ask and you shall receive. Fellowship, may we be a community of believers who who believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. May we be a community of believers who who are filled with the Holy Spirit and go out and are doing the works of Jesus to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. The prayer room's open. We'd love to have you join us. Have a great week.